Well, hello. And welcome back to another scary episode of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth. And we got some great, great scary stuff for you today, boys and girls. <laughs> well, didn't mean to creep everybody out, but this is Stephen LeBooth with uh, Ghost Stories Told from the South. Episode 110, my brothers and sisters. Man, it's a hot sucker. It's dead swing summertime, but we got some scary stuff to talk about. We're going to roll up, finishing up, talking about Canada. To, uh, can't even fucking talk. Canada today. Then after that, I'm going to go back to doing some urban legends. I kind of like that stuff, too. Excuse me. But, yeah. But, anyways, I hope everybody's been having a great time. And, like I said, if anybody has any news or news, news or ghost stories they want to tell me or email me, just uh, send it to the email, ghoststoriestoldfromthesouth at gmail.com. I believe it's all lowercase. I'll have to double check that. But you can get a hold of us on Instagram, and you can get a hold of us on Facebook, too. So look up Ghost Stories from the South and talk to us. Tell me your story, guys. I don't mind. I'll tell them on the air. But I just want to say thank you to everybody. Our numbers are getting bigger on Spotify or followers. Follow our followers are getting bigger, too, and our downloads and stuff. So, hey, guys, thank you, thank you so much. Just keep it up, man. I think we can get 10,000 downloads and about 300 uh, subscribers. That would be awesome to start out with, but it's growing little by little. It's growing, so that's all I'm worried about if it's growing. Even if it's by one member or one download a day, God damn it, I'm growing and getting bigger. <laughs> But anyways, just want to say thank you to everybody who's a faithful and loyal listener. Well, I guess I'll shut up and quit rambling on here. And we'll get on to some uh, skelly skelly stories. Okay, guys, our first story. Our first story is the ghost island is the ghost of Seal Island. Annie's story begins in 18 oh in uh, October on October 31st of 1891 when the newly built steamer SS Ottawa was on a voyage from London England departed Halifax for the St. John New Brunswick located in the outmost part of the uh, southwestern Nova of Nova Scotia in Yarmouth County. Yarmouth County. It's a place called Seal Island. An island which is not only home to one of the oldest wooden lighthouses in Canada. It is also home to the ghost of a uh, ghost named Anna. Before anybody lived on Seal Island, a shipwrecked mariner's luck. Before anybody lived on Seal Island, shipwrecked mariners, luckily enough to have reached its shores alive, often died or died of starvation, 
and exposure during the harsh winter months. So, if you did survive the crash before the lighthouse was there, you were fucked. Because you uh, were stranded. By the, by the early years of the 19th century, a grim spring tradition had, had evolved. As preachers and residents from Yarmouth, Yarmouth and Brigington came to the island to find, a, to find and bury the dead. There, sorry about that. There was much concern about the loss of life. And in 1823, two families, the Hitchinson, Hitchinson, the Hitchinsons and the uh, Crosswells settled on the island in the hopes of as, assisting the unfortunate souls cast ashore during the winter storms. <clears throat> Annie's story begins on October 31st of 1891 when the newly built steamer, the SS Quit Fly, S was uh, on a voyage from London, England, departed Halifax for St. John, the New Bronx, New Bronxwich. The night was dark with drizzle rain and blowing a strong southwest gale, which with, with heavy head sea all the way along the coast. Apparently, the electronic light began... Okay. The electronic light became disarranged, and this is supposed to have alerted the... Hmm. Okay. Let me get back here. Discarded, and then it's supposed to have alerted the... Anyways, it's supposed to alerted the devastation of the in, in the uh, of the compass, and although the Seal Island lit had been in sight for about an hour, the Ottawa the Ottawa ran aground. The steamer struck Bold Rock at five a.m. Oh, they at least they did it in the morning on Sunday, November first, on low tide. As soon as the uh, as soon as she struck, a large hole was pierced through the bottom of the engine compartment, and the steamer began to fill with the rise of the tide. With the starboard side being broadside to the sea, with a strong list to the starboard, the sea became worse and broke heavily over the ship. Now, I'm not for sure that's a sailor talk. I don't know what starboard side and broadside. I know what the broadside is. But I don't know what that other talk is. With her stern, with her stern submerged, the lifeboats were launched. And in one of those boats were three men and Mrs. Annie Lindsay. The ship's uh, steward. Stewardess, I guess uh, she uh, would uh, get you drinks and uh, help keep the place cleaned up and tidied up. Uh, when the boat was about two ship lengths from the uh, steamer, a tremendous wave overturned the boat, throwing its 
passengers into the sea, trapping all of them underneath the boat except for one man who managed to climb on the uh, keel. After a few minutes on the uh, mat, also managed to climb onto the keel, leaving the uh, stewardess Anna Lindsay and the other men trapped under the boat. Strong tide. Strong tides and waves made it difficult for the uh, lifeboat to rescue those in the water. But as but as their life lifeboat drifted it drifted into the heavy sea, the waves turned the boat upright again, and the and the two men got back in the boat. Surprisingly, the man was uh, trapped under the boat. Managed to survive, but Anna was dead. After seven hours hard rowing against the wind and sea, the crew in the ill-fated Ota... Oh, oh, uh, anyways, the ship made it to safety on the sea island. Miss Annie Lindsay was buried beside the East End Church, and her grave was marked in the letter years... Letter, letter years by a concrete headstone made by the families of the lightkeeper. Some believe that the coffin was later disoriented. It showed evidence that she was buried alive. Legend has it her spirit still haunts the Seal Island village. Wow. So uh, she might have been buried alive. That's pretty crazy. Is Anna fated to relive the fateful day over and over again? With so many lives lost at sea on Seal Island, Anna is likely not alone. That would suck being stuck in a war a loop like that because, you know, that's how you died. So you're just constantly stuck in that loop going, what the hell? Crazy. Alrighty. And, excuse me, reports of her have been seen all through the uh, village, like they said. She's even been seen around the light, the lighthouse. They say on nights when it's really stormy outside and really uh, just bad, you can really, really see, uh, you can really, really uh, see her on the, sea sh- on the shores walking around sometimes. But it just goes to show you, man, you never know. That's why I say you can't go through life with blinders. You always got to have an open mind to everything because not everything's black and white. And for the people that are people that are skeptics and like ghosts don't exist, well, they need to open their minds up more. Not everything has a fucking explanation for it. So I guess we'll do our next story. I hope you enjoyed that one. But we can take a break and we'll come back and do some more. Everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash, the most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about, and who is it, some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, baby. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of 
Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. We have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we, we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politics bullshit... <coughs> Come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Well, I hope you went to the bathroom and got you a drink of water and enjoyed that commercial. Because we're getting ready for the next skelly skelly story. This one is called The Maritime Museum. Of British Columbia, Columbia, ah, of British Columbia, not Columbia, <laughs> jackass, Columbia, a Vancouver Island, on Vancouver Island, the Maritime Museum of British Columbia is located in a former courthouse building, which was also inducted, included in the island's first gallows. Apparently, many of the men hung were buried on the grounds, which is why dragging train dragging chains have been heard in Hemlock Alley, in Hem Helm Chicken, in Helm Chicken Alley. Hope I'm saying that right. Help Chicken Alley, Hellman Chicken or something. Anyways, it was in that alley, beside the museum. Inside the haunted lifeboat connected to the 1905 Valencia steamship wreck, the lifeboat was discovered years later, years later, full of skeletons before disappearing and reappearing apparently 27 years ago. That's crazy. See what else they found. The dearly departed seem to love this city's sleigh called New Wed and Almost Dead Place. The Maritime Museum, once the site of the city's prison and gallows, like I said, 
some some people say that when you look through the windows at the doorway to the museum, you can see a shadowy see a shadowy lengthy Van Dyke bearded figure zipping down the main staircase. It is thought to be the mysterious specter of Sir Matthew Bolly Begedy Begedy. I'm sorry, Begedy. The notorious hanging judge of Victoria. See? Pretty creepy place here. See, this is another one. There wasn't a whole lot on it. But in the two little stories I found, that's about as good as I could find. But apparently, this was an old courthouse. Well, then, <coughs> when they built the new courthouse, they turned that into the museum for the maritime. maritime. And... There's, uh, like they said, there's chains dragging. They hear, they hear more stuff. They think that's uh, related to more of the, uh, uh, when it was a courthouse and there was prisoners in there. Then, I mean, they say there's some uh, haunted stuff in there now from the sea and stuff. But mo it's the majority that, like, from when it was a courthouse. And, of course, the guy that, you know, used to run it back in the day was a hanging son of a gun. So... Yeah, there's going to be a lot of goofy, uh, goofy, strange spirits there. Pissed off spirits. A lot of uh, criminals that died there. So it sounds like a pretty good place to haunt. So if any of you guys in Canada have, Canada have anything, just uh, send it through Facebook or something. <sighs> Let me get a drink of vodka. All right, what do we have next? Our next story is The Plains of Abraham. The battle which took place at the Plains of Abraham was a turning point in the Seven Years' War. With the British winning the battle and pushing the French forces out of the city. Even though, even though the battle unsolved less than 10,000 to both sides, lost, basically both sides lost 10,000 people. It's important, its importance in the war was very high in winning. It made the British grip on Canada even stronger. The Canada military fighting the French were pushed back further into the country and the battle was a key factor in winning the land and stopping the creation of, the, of New France and forever reserving the country to be uh, now known as Canada. The battle was fought on the land of a form of a farmer called Abraham Martin. So that's why it's the Abraham Plains. Hence the name Battle of Abraham. The battle itself lasted for only 15 minutes due to the three month siege by the British and the uh, advanced testings of the uh, British commander. General James War Warloff, 
who was uh, materially more, uh, who was wounded in the battle, dying within minutes of his, of the start of the battle, from the three gunshots to the three gunshots to the chest. The French commander, General Louis Joseph Marquez de Matclain, was also wounded in the uh, fight. Oh! Dying the... Sorry, I had an itch in my ear, and when I scratched it, it felt just like... You know when a dog starts slapping his leg going, Oh, yeah, that's how I felt. Don't judge me. He was also wounded in the fight, dying the next morning from a musket shot to the lower ribs. Today, the site is a tourist attraction and a museum and memorials are, are built. Now, let's get into the haunted stuff of this place. Excuse me. The battle happened here. The battle that happened here was short, but it still ended the, li ended the lives of over a thousand men with hundreds more wounded. Battlefields never have pleasant stories, and the loss of life also presents the con considering the level of medical treatment in the day in the uh, in the day wounds such as a stomach stomach injuries and blood loss were practically death sentences. So basically, back then. If you get shot in the, uh, you better not really want to get shot because uh, you're screwed. Because uh, you know we just didn't have advances in medic in the medical field then. The whole area of the battlefield is thought to be haunted, with with it being considered by many of the mo many to be the most haunted place in uh, Quebec. The field itself is home to a number of apparitions who seems to appear mostly around midday, which is when the battle was fought. Every kind of sighting from a single soldier to a whole line of ghostly troops has been reported. Soldiers from the British and the French and the uh, militia forces uh, have been seen. Well, you got to think about it. A battle like that where a lot of people died on both sides, you're going to have a shit ton of paranormal activity. You know, so I would highly recommend to see this place. Well, it's just like some of the battlefield <coughs> battlefields here in America because the Civil War we had. <coughs> like uh, Gettysburg. That's one place that's really haunted. I've seen images and footage, uh, footage from there. So these battlefields, man, are pretty haunted. One particular hot spot on the field area near the nearby the tunnels. Within these tunnels, one of the most common the most common claims is, is that strong smell of spent gunpowder. Through a source can, though a 
though a source can never be found. Basically, they smell it and they can't find where it's coming from. There's nothing there. Nobody there. People have also claimed to be touched in these. Whoa. Oh, touched in these tunnels with stories of people's uh, hair being brushed and even someone claiming to have been badgered past by an unseen soldier almost knocking him into the ground. Well, probably because these ghosts are stuck in a loop and he's backing like, oh, God, they're attacking. And he was, you know, probably running or going to get hell. I don't know. But he's, you know, in that loop. Mm, well, this one I found basically tells the same crap. Anyways... This place sounds very, very haunted, guys. So if you're into history and you want to go find out some history in Canada, go there and go check out the uh, Abraham Plains. Or if you live there and you've ever been there, hell, shoot me a text. Tell me about it, man. I think that'll be pretty cool. Okay, our new story. Sorry if these are kind of short. I was trying to find some juicy ones, but... Eh, it's hit and miss. But let me take a drink, take a quick commercial break, and and I'll be right back. Don't get too scared now. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered, why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs... Unsolved Urban murders, mysteries. unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you uh, need to listen to what's, what's really, really out, out there. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform mm -hmm. we have a youtube channel twos or channel so go check that out it's called what's really out there so come check us out once again i'm your co-host stephen booth and i'm your host stephanie booth and this is what's, what's really, really out there. there we'll see you at the next episode guys well welcome back guys our next story is the Gidreth Point Lighthouse. The spooky story behind the lighthouse. It's one of the oldest buildings in the city and is home to eerie local lore about a murder in the 19th century. Now and then explorers 
now and then explores the stories behind Toronto's historical places. And anyone who grew up in Toronto remembers the lighthouse ghost story. It was a highlight of the student field trips to the island school and gave you shivers even on the warmest summer day. And then in and now that the island is a the island park is an op, is open again for the summer, a new generation of Toronto kids can learn the spooky story behind the lighthouse. The lighthouse is the oldest one left on the Great Lakes and the second oldest to Canada. You might be asking, well, if you're covering it's and if it's on the Great Lakes, what are you talking about Canada for? Because it's on the Canada side. Because if you know your uh, or if you know your maps and stuff, you know that Canada is right above us, and it's uh, right there where the Great Lakes are. So that's why that's in there. The lighthouse is the, okay, I already said that. It was built in 1808 and guided ships to Toronto's harbor from what was then a sandy peninsula until it was decommissioned in 1958. And any building that old has its secrets. The lighthouse was there during the Battle of York in 1883 when America's ships invaded the town of York, which culminated with the burning of Parliament buildings. The British related later in the War of 1812 and burned the White House down. During the war, the first lighthouse keeper, J.P. Redmuller, a German immigrant, to Upper Canada, kept uh, watch on the kept watch at the lighthouse, <coughs> or at the point for enemy ships and friendly uh, vessels returning a safe har returning a safe harbor. But he did not live to see the end of the war. He disappeared under mysterious circumstances on January second of eighteen fifteen. The, score, the story goes that he was murdered by two soldiers who had been enjoying his home-brewed beer. Versions of the story differ slightly. One version told in the, the mid-2000s was that the lighthouse keeper was killed after the soldiers bought the beer, but saw it, saw it for... Saw it freeze on the uh, cold water not on cold winter night, and assumed that the alcohol content was low. That the lighthouse keeper was trying to pull one over on him, you know, rip him off. So apparently, this guy was selling beer. But most agree that the lighthouse keeper was killed that night, and was dismembered by the by his killers, who buried his body a few graves in a few graves near the lighthouse. His ghost is said to still haunt the location. The story, story was recorded by John Rose Robinson in 1908 in the Landmarks of Toronto and has become a staple of spooky lore, of local lore even since, er, local ever since. Even in its telling, Robinson raises suspicion that the murder 
that the murder ever occur occurred. But he writes that he heard the story from the current lighthouse keeper, George Durnan, who had apparently gone looking for a body and had dug up a coffin with a jawbone. The uh, plaque on the lighthouse mentions the ghost story in the jawbone, although there is there was somewhat controversial decision. The lighthouse was non-ghostal. The lighthouse has a non-ghostal history as well. It sits on Gibraltar Point, although silt built up means that the tower the tower is now slightly inland from the shore. Lighthouse from the shore. It was named the uh, Gidrath Rattler Gid Gib Rattler after the famous British owned point at the edge of the Mediterranean by John Graves Simone Sim Simcoe. Ontario's first governor and the founder of the town York, who also chose it was the site for one of the new lighthouses was planning along the great was planning along the great lakes the tower was built from limestone uh, granited near queenston and the light on the top changed a few times over the years it started off running on whale oil then it became electric in the winter of 1916 to 17 the light was turned off for the last time by the lighthouse keeper, Debbie Dots, in 1957. The ten keepers of the lighthouse include John, Dur John Durnan and his father, James, who kept watch from the uh, <clears throat> kept watch there from 1832 to 1908, saw many changes from the point. The city grew. New immigrants arrived in ships. The uh, peninsula became the island when the storm fully separated the sandbar. And in 1858, families moved from the uh, Midland. And in more recent years, the island has become a park and a favorite summer destination. The lighthouse keeper saw the lighthouse keeper saw it all and has a. 2008 Heritage Toronto plaque at the site points out <clears throat> the keepers and their families from this uh, nucleus of growing the island community. Although the lighthouse is no longer in use and usually locked, it still has a keeper, Manuel Chapel, uh, also from Germany. He has been the honorary keeper since 1919 when he volunteered to keep the lighthouse tidy. Well, well, that one isn't very spooky. It just has one story about one guy disappearing. Only reason I like to read these when I start reading them to y'all so it's more organic and I get kind of the just surprised as you do kind of feel. You know what I mean, cuz? Ah. Uh. 
Okay, we have two more lovely stories. You know what? I'm going to do one more. And then it's next one I got. I'm going to save it for next week because it's pretty damn long. So I'll save it for next week and do this last one now. Cross that out. All right. Let's get on with its last story of the evening. <laughs> Our next story is from the Fairmount Impress. It's really a hotel, but there are many haunted hotels around the world, but the number one most famous is rumored to be right here in Canada, in downtown Victoria, B in uh, downtown Victoria, B.C., British Columbia, stands on an art, uh, stands on an on an on a masterpiece built between 1904 and 1908, offering five-star accommodations to guests from around the world to this very day. The magnificent hotel is located on Government Street, overlooking the Inner Harbor that draws in thousands of tourists every year. The grounds of the property are lush, the cushion is among the best in the city. Okay. In the royal in the royal uh, ambath, ambassador of the uh, embrass is felt through is felt through the offering of the afternoon tea and antique decor. The old beauty of this historical landmark is obvious at first glance, but there's something lurking inside that can only be discovered upon deeper inspection. The local legend, ugh, local legend of this haunted hotel is that there are some unwelcome guests that wander the hallways clean the rooms, and knock on guest doors. Spooky stories of these ghostly guests include the hotel's... Oh, okay. The uh, hotel's... Cook? Francis Rittenberry? Roaming around, his, roaming around with his cane... A maid that still concerns herself with the tidiness of the sixth floor. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not the cook. That was a fucking housemaid. And, uh, okay, of the sixth floor and possibly the creepiest. The old woman in her pajamas who, can find, who cannot find her room. That would be creepy to see an apparition of an old lady in her pajamas who's saying, I can't help my find my room. Can you help me find my room, Sonny? <clears throat> Guests claim that she knocks on the door and leads them to the elevator where she vanishes. That's fucking crazy. I would definitely crap my pants there. Yes. It is, uh, it is rumored that these elevators were added in place of the previous, previous rooms. Likely where the old woman once slept before she passed. And that's true. 
if she passed away there and then they put elevators there where the rooms are, then, yeah, that'd make a lot of sense. The Empress Hotel is absolutely a must-see. But stay... Prop, uh, stay in its... Okay. Stay in its charming city, and if you're smart, you'll be a your request to have a room on the sixth floor where we hear it stays pretty clean and spooky. That would, that would rattle me right there. I'd be like, what? See what this one says about it. Same thing. There's a maid who stays beyond death to carry out the jobs. And then, okay, here's something. Another story comes from way back in the 1960s when a construction worker working on the building on the West Tower claimed to have seen a black shadow from the uh, from then beginning to swing from the ceiling. It's reported that reported that this could have been the spirit of another worker who had hung hung themselves in the uh, existing location a year earlier. Dang, see, that's another thing I've noticed at these hotels. People killing themselves left and right. See what this story says. Oh, wait, this is just the same one I've already read. <laughs> well, if you're ever around, go by and see the uh, Fremont Empress Hotel in Victoria, British Columbia. In Canada. Well, guys, I'm... What the... F oh. Okay, just did that. Anyways, I thought my computer was doing something stupid. Sorry, it didn't. But yes, I do have one more story, but I am going to save that. Yes, I'm going to save this story I got for next week, because it's a big, juicy, good one. Very, very juicy. I'm not going to give you any hints. But it's where they send people when they think they've lost their minds. <laughs> well, guys, I'm sure am glad that you stopped by and visited today for uh, Stephen's Scary Stories, guys. Don't forget now, check us out on Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Amazon, Stitcher. Uh, we got our YouTube channel going. I keep it caught up. Yeah, uh, keep uh, subscribing there too, guys. Keep uh, keep my followers going up like the are. Y'all guys are doing good there on the YouTube channel. Check me out there. And, you know, I'm pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts now. I'm still getting uh, new platforms asking me to come on. So that, that'll be good. I'll be heard more, but it's just more fucking work. So with that being said... I'm sure and glad you guys listen and are loyal fans. And I'm glad you support the show. And I'm going to this week get a uh, donation button set up on my podcast. So you can uh, donate some money. You don't have to donate much. You know, a dollar would help. But it's whatever you want to do, guys. But you guys are what keep me going. You keep these ghost stories rolling. But if y'all have any good stories that y'all have from y'all's hometown, 
please do tell, man. Remember, check us out on Facebook, guys. This has been Steven. Uh, sorry, I've got the hiccups bad. I don't mean to. This has been Stephen LeBooth with ghost stories told from the south. So, don't get too scared when you go to bed tonight. Maybe you'll hear some bumps in the night. Or some chains dragging down the hallway. Or some footsteps. Either way, stay safe, my friends. And stay spooky. We will see you later. Bye.